Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, if you will. I've got a real simple message. We've been talking uh, for the last several weeks now. Um, we were talking about deception understanding kingdom clarity. I want to kind of veer off, uh, take a pit stop from that, from those discussions. And today, I just want to have a simple conversation about faith, about faith. Amen. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. This is anchor faith. Church faith is a necessary element. You know, I have noticed that over time, uh, a lot of Christians have bought an ideology uh, that removes the level and standard of faith in Christian living. That we, uh, are, we, we desire to live at a level where faith is not necessary. Well, that kind of living uh, may look successful on the outside, but to God, you're not monitored by what you have. You're monitored by the faith that you use. Amen? That is the indicator of our, our growth and our development in the kingdom of God. He wants to move us from faith to faith from glory to glory. And so um, there are things and truths that I think God wants us to see and know about in his word. In 2 Corinthians chapter five, it says this. Now he who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who also has given us the spirit as a guarantee. So we are always confident, say always confident, knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. But this is what verse Seven says, for we walk by faith. Everyone say faith and not by sight. Everyone say sight. A lot of times we preach uh, that doubt is the opposite of faith. If faith means to believe, then doubt means to not believe, right? We believe that, uh, uh, that doubt is the opposite of faith. But the word tells us here that sight is actually the opposite of faith. Because faith is believing in what you cannot see then living by what you can see is the opposite. Now, you will arrive at doubt if you live by sight. You will arrive uh, in a uh, uh, neglecting to acknowledge God's hand in your life when you live by sight. What does that mean? Living by what I have. If it's already present, if it's already tangible, if it's already in my hands. Faith is living, believing that what I cannot see I do have, it's believing more in what is the unseen rather than what is seen. And God always wants us operating from a level of what we cannot see, obtaining, acquiring, pursuing that which we do not yet have. If you have it, God has already moved on to the next thing. Amen. And real faith believes that you acquire it, not when you get it, but when you ask for it, that's how faith works. Faith is so strong. It believes that you acquire it the moment you ask for it. Now, it may not be in the tangible, may not be in the seen, but your faith believes that it's already in your possession and now I'm just waiting for it to be accomplished in this realm, whether it be a miracle, whether it be finances, whether it be healing in your body. 
Mark chapter 11 tells us, believe that you receive when? When you pray. So this is what we have been taught, that when I pray, I believe that I received, which means I only need to ask once. And if I ask again, that means I didn't believe that I received when I prayed. Now, if you receive something that you ask for, what do you usually respond with? Well, what, what should we respond with? If we're polite, right? Thank you. Gratitude. So faith, ask for it the first time. And the Bible tells us that we can ask in faith, not doubting, which means I can ask doubting. Just because I'm asking doesn't mean I'm believing. But I need to ask in faith. And if I've asked in faith, he's granted it to me. And from that moment on, I need to be thanking him, praising him, expressing gratitude, expressing uh, 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 thankfulness for what, it, it, well, you, but you're still having symptoms in your body. Yeah, but I'm thanking him that my healing is mine. The healing that he has uh, already claimed for me is mine. Amen. That the, the, the breakthrough that I'm believing for, it's mine. And that's probably one of the number one elements that people miss when they're standing in faith for something is they don't switch into gratitude quick enough. They don't switch into thankfulness quick enough. If we truly live by faith, we're not waiting for its tangible application in our lives. We believe that I receive when I pray. I believe that I've accessed it. Why? Because I walk by faith. That word walk means live. I live by faith, not by sight. If I'm living by faith, then I'm not moved by what I see. I'm not moved by what I hear. I'm not moved by how I feel. I don't ask you how you feel. If you, if you were to come down uh, you know, and, and be prayed for, for sickness, I wouldn't say, so how do you feel now? I don't care how you feel. That doesn't mean anything. Did you receive your miracle? Did you receive that you, you believe that the moment we laid hands on you, according to the word of God, that you received, then how you feel doesn't mean anything. Now we're just waiting for the natural to catch up with the supernatural, amen? This is how faith ought to operate. Okay, we're just laying a foundation, so don't get hung up here. We got more to cover. So in the uh, Amplified, verse seven reads this way. We walk by faith. It says this, we regulate our lives and conduct ourselves by our conviction or belief respecting man's relationship to God and divine things with trust and holy fervor. Thus we walk not by sight, or appearance. It may not look like it, but I'll just go ahead and let you know it's not what it seems. It's not what it looks like. You ever had someone tell you that? It's not what it looks like. You need to start telling yourself that. It's not what it looks like. I believed I received. I'm standing for my miracle. I'm standing just to see the hand of God move in my life, and I'm just waiting for the natural to catch up with the supernatural. And I promise you, if you switch over to gratitude quicker, switch over, it, it just doesn't make sense, Pastor Mark. I know it doesn't. It's called supernatural, not natural. It goes against senses. See, we don't wait to praise and worship and say thank you when we see the miracle. Praise and worship and thank you 
brings the miracle. Positions you to receive a miracle. Amen. Colossians, or I'm sorry, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, going back one chapter. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. In verse 18, another verse we're familiar with, while we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary. But the things which are not seen are eternal. Then the New Living, it reads this way. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone. But the things we cannot see will last forever. This lets us know that the unseen is actually more real than the seen. Which one came first? Well, we know that all things that are seen were created from things which are not seen. That the visible was actually created from the invisible. That the natural was actually created from the supernatural. So here's the thing. Before your sickness showed up, healing showed up. Before your brokenness showed up, restoration showed up. Wholeness showed up. Your problem is not where it starts. Your problem is not where it starts. And what is not seen, what you do not have access to, is more real. Your healing that has already been provided for you is more real than the sickness you're experiencing. Now, I know that that sounds backwards only because you are experiencing the symptoms of the seen more than the unseen. But this is why we need to walk by faith. Because you won't believe that the unseen is more real than the seen if you're living by sight. It won't work. It can't work. If you're placing more stock, if you're placing more credibility, if you're placing more weight on what is seen, on what the doctor said, on how you're currently feeling, on what the marriage looks like today, on how the kids are acting right now, if you put more weight in that in the temporal moment than what the unseen says, then you can't live by faith. We can't believe that there can be another way. There can't be a way to make, to, to get the unseen to show up in the scene. Living by sight cripples us. Living by sight uh, keeps you from appropriating the faith to believe that God can move on your behalf. We know that God is powerful. We know that God can do it. The question oftentimes is, will he do it? And for the ones that believe he will do it, he would do it, it's the, well, I would if I could. They don't know if God can. So you have to know, you have to be assured God can and God will. 
God can and God will. Because what good is if what good is it if he can't, if he won't? And what good is it if he would, but he can't? I need to believe that God can do it, and I need to believe that God will do it. And that's usually one of the two places where the enemy will attack your thinking when you're standing in faith, believing in faith, walking in faith for something. He will challenge, he can't do it. He would if he could. He's not doing that anymore. Or the will of God. It's not his will. It's his will to test you. It's his will to put sickness on you. It's his will to keep you in that condition so that you can learn to trust in him. Amen. And so we need to understand that the unseen realm, you know, what this actually is telling us is it actually takes more faith to trust in the seen than it does the unseen. I see people exercise faith all the time, just in the wrong arenas. I see people believe in something that's just absolutely crazy. It's like, man, if you can believe in that, you can surely believe in the word of God. That stopped me in my tracks one time. Uh, You know, someone literally about sickness said, knock on wood, I won't ever get cancer. Well, that's crazy because you knock on wood. It takes more faith to believe in that. And and they were literally, here, here, just go a step further, looking for wood. You ever met that person? They're like, okay, I need some wood. Here's, here we go. Knock on wood. You're literally, you believe that so much that you're willing to act it out, but yet most Christians won't do that with the word. <laughs> but we're the crazy ones. I got a whole book that tells me the promises of God. And you've got some crazy old wives' tale. But yet, you're more confident in knocking on wood than a lot of Christians are in what Jesus did on the piece of wood he laid on and was hung on. Come on. We, we exercise faith. It's not difficult, guys. It's not difficult. You just have to choose where you're gonna exercise your faith. You just gotta choose what you're gonna believe in, where you're gonna appropriate your faith, what you're gonna stand on, what's gonna be your foundation. The seen or the unseen. Colossians chapter three. Colossians chapter three. We don't walk by faith. Or we don't walk by sight, we walk by faith. We don't look at the things which are seen. They are temporary. You know, I looked up that word temporary, though, one time. And it actually means this, subject to change. Subject to change. You ever heard that statement before? A lot of times they use it like for an event on a calendar. And the little asterisk at the bottom, subject to change. Why? We are are at the mercy of the weather. We're at the mercy of conditions. We're at the mercy of something that could alter this from becoming a reality. 
That's what you need to know. If there's a situation in your life in the scene, it's subject to change. It doesn't have to stay that way. It's subject to it means it doesn't control. That item being on this calendar does not automatically ensure it's going to take place. It's subject to change. It is subjected to change. This entire world is subject to change, but the unseen realm lasts forever. So guess what? Healing is not subject to change. Your redemption is not subject to change. There's nothing that could occur that would all of a sudden alter that from becoming a reality. It will happen. It is the same yesterday, today, and forever. If he's did it before, he'll do it again. It's not subject to change, but cancer is subject to change. Brokenness is subject to change. Offense is subject to change. Panic and fear and worry is subject to change. Amen. So we have to fix our gaze, he says, on the things that are not seen. Colossians chapter three and verse one says it this way. If then you were raised with Christ. Do I have any raised with Christ people in the room? All right, a few of you. Says this. Seek those things which are above. If you've been raised with Christ, if you've been raised with Christ, what's that mean? I could be raised with Christ and still pursue and seek things that are not of Christ. He would not have to give the instruction, seek those things, if that was automatic for people that are raised with Christ. He's writing to a church, by the way. He's writing to believers. He's not writing to the town of Colossae. He's writing to the church of Colossae, the Colossians, in this church, saying, brethren, if you've been raised with Christ, seek those things, seek those things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of the Father. He goes on in verse two, clarify, clarify a little more. Set your mind. How do I seek those things? By setting my mind. So we're not talking about a physical seeking with my eyeballs. That's how we end up in the, I'll believe it when I see it category. No, the church lives by, I'll see it when I believe it. One person got it. You can choose to live, I'll believe it when I see it, or you can choose to live, I'll see it when I believe it. I believe it in my heart, in the unseen, I'll see it come to pass in the scene. Because I believe with my heart. You know, it's funny because we appropriate this all the time in an act that happens all the time, that we've all, if you've been raised with Christ, experienced. And many of us have also seen it happen in other people's lives. It's called salvation. How do you get saved? You believe in your heart. You confess with your mouth. Now, how many of you, I want an honest answer. Think this through. How many of you had a natural change when you prayed that prayer in, in, in something 
tangible. I'm not just talking an emotional, uh, like I just felt set free, pastor. I just felt, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about literal appearance. How many of you, your hair color changed? How many of you got taller? How many of you got prettier? (laughs) How many of you got smarter? Huh? No natural change, but yet we believe. We're confident. He's born again. He's saved. He's going to be in heaven with me. He knows Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. He has been born again. He's been redeemed. We believe that with no physical altercation to the appearance whatsoever. You came down short, you went back short. Gray hair when you got here, gray hair when you sat back down. Now, yes, you're going to feel freedom, but that's the spiritual element impacting the natural element. And that's what we're getting ready to talk about. But just on natural alone, we believe this all the time. But then if I bring the same person down that is sick in their body and they go back in their whatever, you don't see any physical change, we doubt it. Well, they must not have got their miracle. It's the same miracle working power that redeemed you and saved you that can get someone healed and restored. Y'all with me? So why do we apply this to one situation, but not to another? Why do we apply? You know, I've heard Christians cuss the day after they got born again. Look straight ahead. Don't look at anybody. Don't turn to the left. Don't turn to the right. But you know what? I don't go, ah, he didn't get it. He's not really born again. No, I'm just, that's just working from the inside out. They got to grow up. They got to learn who they are, right? We're all babes in Christ. But yeah, when it comes to sickness, well, they're still coughing. They went to the doctor, still showing up on the x-ray, still showing up on the MRI. They still see something there. Well, last time I checked, I'm not using the scene to weigh if the supernatural power of God is working in someone's life. Now, yes, we want the, the unseen to impact the scene. But when does that happen? That's the question. And what are you waiting to rejoice? What are you waiting on to rejoice? What are you waiting on to shout praises? What are you waiting on to say, thank you, Father, for redeeming. Thank you, God, for healing. Thank you, God, for restoring. Thank you, God, for fixing. When he stops cussing you out, when the kids all of a sudden start straightening up, when you go to the doctor and they say, I I tell people all the time, you go to the doctor, if we pray for them, go to the doctor, get checked, find out. But regardless of what they say, it doesn't change what happened in this moment. It doesn't. Well, I guess God didn't do it. No? We're just waiting for a manifestation. But this is how faith works. And this is where most people get hung up is in the tangible evidence. But the last time I checked, we're not walking by tangible evidence. Well, how long do I stand in faith, Pastor Mark? Until you, <laughs> until you see it. I mean, how long do you want to stand in faith? When you've done all to stand, Don't sit down. Stand. How long do I keep believing for that that lost loved one to come to Jesus? They're they're more lost than they were when I started praying for them. Keep standing. Keep believing. Amen. Why? Because I don't walk by sight. I walk by faith. I walk by what his word says. I I walk by the promises that he's made. Now, I understand. 
in a day and age that we're more biblically illiterate than ever. That's difficult to stand on the promises of God when you don't know them. That's why we stand on the word at Anchor Faith Church. That's why we preach the word at Anchor Faith Church. That's why we let you know that's a discipline that's not archaic and it's just, you know, old time. We've got, we can replace that. Now you need to know the word of God and know the word of God for yourself, not because I preached it. You can't go to the devil and say, now Pastor Mark said, there's a story in the Bible about that. And the scariest part of of the story was they were sent out naked. They got beat up and all that stuff too, but they didn't have no clothes on either. (laughs) The devil will make a mockery of you if you don't know the word for yourself. I know Paul and I know Jesus, but who are you? Because here's the thing, the devil is not attacking you. Let's just go ahead and get this out of the way. He's not attacking you. He's attacking your influence. He's attacking your purpose. He's attacking everything you stand. If he takes you out, he takes everybody out that you're supposed to impact and influence for the kingdom of God with your life. He's got a much bigger picture to this thing than you and I do. We think, oh, me, oh, my. No, no, no. It's compromising your influence. Well, I just take a sick day. And you can't be at work being an influence to somebody, being a support to somebody, blessing somebody. Come on. We just think about, I just stay in the bed and just stick to myself, isolate. It's exactly what the enemy, he'll let you live in isolation. As long as you don't influence anybody, as long as you don't make an impact on anybody's life, he'll let you do whatever you wanna do. The moment you wake up every morning, you say, today, somebody will be impacted by coming into contact with me. Today, they don't just come in contact with me, they come in contact with Jesus. I'm bringing the kingdom everywhere I go. I'm I'm imparting my influence from an unseen realm into a seen realm today. The second you do that, you pose a threat. So he ain't taking you out. He's taking out your purpose. He's taking out what you were called to do. So he says, set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. So apparently what I do with my mind is important. If, 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 if the mind wasn't important, it wouldn't be worth renewing. That's a big job. Y'all ever tried that? Renewing your mind? Teaching an old dog new tricks? Huh? That's what I do every week. You know, when you go out, go over the country and go through customs, they ask you, what's your occupation? I'm renewing minds. It's hard work. But that's what we're doing. Every time I can come in here with one of two thoughts. What do I know? Or what do I need to know? And the ones that come in with, what do I know? They're just looking for me to agree with what they already know. But when you come in with the posture of, what do I need to discover today? What needs to be revealed to me today? Holy Spirit, what do I have yet to see that I do not see that I need to acquire today so I can put it into practice in my life, I can apply it in my life, and I can become everything you've called me to do? I need my mind renewed. You need your mind renewed. Apparently, renewing our mind is so important that it actually dictates our life because he says our life will be transformed by the renewing of the mind. 
Your life goes where your mind goes. Your life is the result of your thoughts. If you don't like where you've ended up, take inventory of your thoughts. If you don't like where you're going, if you don't like the path you're on, take inventory of what you're thinking, what you're dwelling on. What's on your mind? I love that Facebook asks that question every day. What's on your mind? I'll tell you what's on my mind. And what's on my mind is garbage. It needs to be done away with, and I need to replace it with what the Word of God says. What, are they brainwashing you over there? Yes, I need a thorough brainwashing, a washing by the purity of the Word, a cleansing out, a removal system. I don't want just a little trickle. My mind needs some pressure washing cleaning. I mean, throw that thing on full blast. Carve that stuff right off of there. Not everybody wants that. But your opinion is as valuable as mine. (laughs) Yours is worth just as much as mine. But the word of God now. Word of God will change some things. Sometimes I just want to look at those people and just like, have you just ever tried it? Just try it. Just try believing him at his word. Let's just, you've, I mean, you've tried your way for so long. We were talking about this on Wednesday night. You, you, you've reduced it down to your ability to understand and, and, and you know, determine Let's just, let's just try setting our mind on things above. Let's just, let's just see. Maybe he knows what he's talking about. Not on things below. For you died, he says, and your life is hidden with Christ. In the uh, New Living, it reads this way, since you have been raised to new life in Christ, here, this is the one that I really want to key in on. Set your sights on the realities of heaven. Did I give that one to you guys? I don't think I did. I threw it in later. The New Living reads, set your sights on the realities of heaven. That's what I want you to see today is that heaven is more real than what you're walking in today. You know, Paul said not to live by what we see. What he, what he meant was don't live by the troubles that you see all around you. Now, here's what he's saying. We're not denying them. I'm ignoring them. There's a difference. I'm not denying the existence of the problem. I'm ignoring the power of the problem to control me. Yeah? Why? Because what I pursue or what I look at or what I seek after empowers its rule in my life. You're giving it control. I've said it many times before. But when I go into a hospital room and I'm seeing someone that I, that, that has reached out and they're in dire straits, they're in a serious condition. I'm taking a look at what's going on. 
And if you've got the TV going, if you've got people around your bed just weeping and wallowing around you, come on. There's a story in the Bible about this. Jesus encountered this himself. If we're throwing a pity party, boy, we're going to have a hard time. Because I pray in the spirit. When I get those phone calls, I pray in the spirit. From the moment I hang up to the moment I walk through the door, I'm praying in the spirit the whole time. Because I need to know how to be led. I need to know how to minister to this. How do I pastor this person in this moment? It's a very real moment. Because here's all I'm ever going to do. Just gonna let you know right now. You call me and you're in a situation. All I'm ever going to do is hook up with your faith. That's all I'm gonna do. Jesus looked at Jairus and said, don't be afraid, only believe. Now that's up to Jairus to follow through. Jesus can't do the only believing for him. And when he showed up at the house, what did we have? We had a pity party. And what did Jesus do? Kick him out. That's just rude, Pastor. Do you want to live? <laughs> I'm just, the Bible says what it says, set your mind. And we have, we, we, we got way too much stuff sitting around that's contradicting the setting of our mind on things above, not on the earth below. So what's that mean? I've got to take inventory of everything I'm depositing into my mind. I understand they love you. I understand they care for you. They're, they're, they're crying. They're sorrowful for you. I get it. Right now, we're in a battle. We're in a battle. And we need to pull all of our resources together to fight this thing as best as possible to get the outcome that we know the word promises us. It's a pooling of resources. It's saying that's gonna compromise our effort here. That's, that's not gonna uh, 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 allow us to accomplish the Goldwyn mind. I heard of a story about Derek Jeter, baseball player for the New York Yankees. Won, I think, five World Series. And he wouldn't allow certain distractions in his life. I mean, that championship was, winning was that important to him. If we can do those kind of things in the natural Cell phones weren't allowed. You weren't allowed to bring them in the home. You had to put them in this bucket. He wasn't on them. I mean, you know, I heard one athlete said from the 90s, I think it was in basketball, they said, if I had the distractions that kids have today, I wouldn't have won nothing. I mean, literally every news article about you at your fingertips so I've heard of a lot of athletes, they, they won't be on their phone during playoff time. They don't, they, they delete the ESPN app, they get off Twitter or whatever they gotta do. What are they doing? They're pulling resources. Well, if they can do that naturally, we sure can do this spiritually. Because I walk by faith, not by sight, but sight will come in and bombard you, man. People will show up and remind you of what it looks like. They'll remind you of what it sounds like. They'll remind you of, what, of how it's feeling. No, I need to know what the word says. 
And I need to be more sure of what the word says than what my condition says. He says, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Matthew chapter six. Matthew chapter six. You know, the faith message has taken its hits over the years. It's taken its criticisms. And I get it. There's a lot of people that want to promote the, the word of faith message or the faith message as just a way for uh, egotistical, greedy Christians to get whatever they want in life. And are there people that have done that? Sure. Are there ministers that have done that? Absolutely. For personal gain, wealth, prosperity. Do you believe in the prosperity gospel? Well, I don't believe in the poverty gospel. <laughs> Do you believe in all that healing? Well, I don't, don't want to be sick. I mean, it's not difficult to understand which side do you think God is on. Now, how you use it and how you appropriate it in your life, that's up to you. But you're not gonna stand before Jesus and give account of their record. Well, they didn't do right with their life. Well, what did you believe is what he's gonna say. How did you live it? How did you appropriate it? So faith is not something to be afraid of. And faith is not something that should be obviously motivated by our own personal gain and personal accolades and personal desires. Well, I'm gonna tell you right now, when you understand the heart of the Father, you'll find out that he wants better for you than you want for you. Matthew chapter six, he's obviously talking about, you know, the things that we worry over. Verse 19 do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jump down to verse 24. He says, no one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon or money. He's talking about money here. And there's all kinds of verses that people have used to arm themselves against why we shouldn't have things or why we shouldn't have money or why we shouldn't have resources. But Jesus is not saying you should not have these things. We keep on reading. He says, look at the birds of the air. For they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more value of more value than they? Which of you by worrying? So what is he addressing? Is he, is he addressing the things or is he addressing the acquisition of the things? Because now he's talking about worry. Which of you by worrying can add one cubic, one cubit to his stature? And all the short people said, amen. 
So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more, much more? So he's not saying, I don't want you to have them. He's actually saying, I want you to have them more than you want to have them. He says what? Verse 30. Oh, you of little faith. Verse 31. Therefore, do not worry. Saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For after all these things, the Gentiles, what? What's that word? The Gentiles, what? Now, in this context, Gentiles is the world. The lost. We know now that the message is for both Jew and Greek. Jew and Gentile. But in this context, he's using Gentile to refer to people that are in covenant with him, are in covenant with the king. You're in covenant with the king. You're in covenant with heaven. You're in covenant with the king who owns everything. And he says the Gentiles seek what? They Gentiles seek the things, the clothing and the, what what is this? It's the sight-driven stuff. But in verse 33, we all know it, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and what? All these, if the things were so bad, then why would he be adding them? We know this stuff, but I'm just stirring you up by reminder this morning that God wants you to live a good and plenteous life. God wants you to live a fulfilled life. God wants you to receive the desires of your heart kind of life. God has a life for you that is exceedingly abundantly beyond what you can ask or think. That's the God I serve. That's the God. Does that mean I get everything I want when I want it? Absolutely not. But it means that I will have everything I need that is necessary to perform my function in the earth, to fulfill the assignment to which he's called me. I know I can have all provision. It's never a problem to me. And it shouldn't be a problem to you. But if you walk by sight, you'll seek the things of this earth, Colossians chapter three. You'll have your mind set on the things of the earth. But if you walk by faith, you'll seek the things of his kingdom, of his realm, of his authority and righteousness, which is your place in it. Righteousness, we we know is the behavior, it's the conduct, it's living righteously. But righteousness is also this, your position. So he's saying, if you will seek the kingdom of God and know your position in it, because there are some people that think they're in the kingdom, but they're just on the other side of the threshold. They're in the kingdom, but they're a sorry little slave. They're in the kingdom, but they're a sinner that doesn't, uh, shouldn't be bothering God with any kind of petition or request. They're, a, they're in the kingdom, but they're so low that they're barely even on, the, even on the scale. He says, no, you need to know the kingdom, seek the kingdom, pursue the kingdom, 
and your righteousness, who you are, I am as Jesus. When I stand before him, he doesn't see me, he sees Jesus because everything he wanted to do in me, he did in Jesus. Amen. And so now what? I, I can lay claim to what's in the kingdom, regardless of if it's in my hand or not. You know, I, I find it interesting because we, we talk about Jesus so much in, in the context of poor, in the context of what he didn't have, in the context of, uh, you know, he didn't have money. But yet there are plenty of verses that tell us what he had. We think Jesus was just some poor little pauper going from town to town with his hand out. Can I get a sandwich? Can, can I get something? To, can I get some? You need to read your Bible. But first off, he was set up from the age of two. You ever heard the story of the wise men? You ever read about what they came and brought? Now, I know your little nativity scenes only show three of them but that ain't how it works with the wise men from the East. There's a whole group of them. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh may be what they brought, but there was a whole bunch of them. They were set up. His ministry was set up. He had a, a disciple that was stealing out of the bucket. Now, I don't know about you. If someone puts in $2 and he takes a dollar, that's pretty noticeable. But it says Judas Iscariot was skimming off the top. There's so much coming in, he didn't even, he was able to take. They were ready to buy a multitude of people, go into town and buy them food. I can give you account after account after account. They, they, they gambled over his clothes. But he was just so, but this is why we think, that. this is why, this is why. We don't think Jesus had things because Jesus didn't pursue things. Things pursued him. And that's the difference. We think we need stuff to seek the will of the Father. And Jesus said, I'll seek the will of the Father and the stuff will come find me. <laughs> Faith in what? The seen? Living by sight? No. Jesus was never concerned about those things. Had to go pay taxes? Go fish. Huh? There's only one instance where Jesus was ever concerned about money, wealth, riches, anything in, in the seen realm. He had access to all of it. And it all came running to him because he sought the will of the Father. He didn't treat things as a means to fulfill the purpose. He saw fulfilling a purpose as a mean to acquiring the things, acquiring what was necessary to accomplish the assignment. I'm telling you today, you serve a good God. This is what Jesus is saying in this passage. He says, you cannot serve God and mammon. And we're just, he's talking about money, but it could be anything in the sight realm that you are choosing to be driven by, to seek after, to pursue. 
This is what he's saying. He says, you can seek after things and acquire them, but you will acquire them at the expense of knowing the Father. You'll acquire them at the expense of joy in your heart. You ever seen someone achieve success but look like they are the most broken person on the earth? Because Proverbs chapter 10, verse 22 says, the blessing of the Lord makes one rich and he adds no sorrow to it. He says, do not worry. Worry will produce wealth. Worry will produce things. People do successful things all the time with worry as the motivation. People save money with worry as the motivation. People get health checkups with worry as the motivation. People do certain things with their kids as a, a matter of worry as the motivation. Overprotect and, and, and do all the different things. And worry is the motivation. Not a trust in God as a motivation. Y'all with me? There's a difference. When he says, do not worry, he's saying, what is, your, what is motivating your pursuit? What's the opposite of do not worry? Seek first the kingdom of God. Make that your ultimate pursuit. And everything that you need will come running you down. And you won't have to worry about it one moment. won't have to worry about it. He says, you can have the money and joy. See, it's really the rich young ruler. Because when Jesus asked for the money, what did he do? He went away sorrowful, for he had many riches. He had it. He achieved it, but it was his comfort. He had put all his stock in the money and no stock in Jesus or the kingdom of God. And so when the king asks for the money, he sees it as a compromise to his purpose rather than an advancement of his purpose. Y'all good? Y'all? Walk by faith, not by sight. Worship team, if you come. It's a simple message today. I'll leave you with this statement. God wants you to enjoy things as a reward of knowing him, not at the expense of knowing him. I'll say that again. God wants you to enjoy things as a reward of knowing him, not at the expense of knowing him. What are we talking about? We're talking about seeking first his kingdom. It's how you walk by faith. Walking by sight replaces our seeking. Walking by sight changes my motivation. So I need to acquire something to be something rather than I become something. And because I am that, it comes and follows me. Healing will come follow you if you'll seek after the Father. Healing, restoration, deliverance. Come on, whatever you're believing for. If it's finances, it's finances. It'll come finding you. 
You don't have to live controlled by that. Just stand up with me. Can you give me a, I need the chorus of King of My Heart. Chorus of King of My Heart. You are good. We sang it, didn't we? You are good. Is that just easy to sing? You are good, you are good, oh. When everything's going right? Or can we sing that when, hey, in the sight, it ain't good right now. In the natural, it ain't looking, but I know my God is good. You are good. You're not good just because of the stuff I have. You're not good just because of everything's going right. You're not good just because there's no bickering today. You're not good just because there's money in the account. You're not good because I feel all right today. You are good. You are good. You are good. You are good. And nothing can ever change that because it's not subject to change. It's eternal. You are good. It's forever. You are good. It's the same yesterday. You are good. Today. You are good. Tomorrow. You are good. Forever. You are good. You are good. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website at anchorfaithaboutaustin.com. There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family. You can even give financially in support of the ministry. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Anchor Faith Church podcast.